0: Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You are tuning and listening to The Cinematic Odyssey here on U92 The Moose. We are here back on track with the um, our our regularly scheduled programming. did have a little <laughs> bit of a tangent last, uh, well, not last week, but yesterday with our um, Halloween bonus episode, The Hereditary. That was pretty Woo! fun. Uh, but now this week, we're going to be talking about, uh, Max and I are going to be talking about a, a film from the ever so um, enigmatic and uh, unique, is the the best way to describe him. Very unique filmmaker, David Lynch. Um, this is Eraserhead. This is his uh, directorial debut. Came out in 1977 and it it's hard to describe the plot cuz it's a very simple film but it's also very uh odd 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 is i guess it's very weird um and that's underselling its its weirdness but essentially um what what even occurs in the film is we have this guy named Henry and he lives in this like industrial like hellscape
1: that's very lonely
0: gray Dull. Like void of life. And all these different things.
1: And we see him.
0: We see him. um, Dealing with the anxieties of being a father. uh, In this space. And we see him. Deal with his girlfriend-slash-wife-slash-ex-girlfriend-slash-ex-wife, whatever. The mother of his child. Um yeah. And we see him dealing with that, sort of. But it's... I mean, for those that have seen Lynch, that know about his
1: work, I mean, this guy... This is one of the most... Um, Yeah, he's
0: uh he he's hard to pin down but not at the same time. When you when you see something from him, you know it's him. No there's no there's no one filmmaker that can really replicate what he does. And that's what makes him so um so interesting and such a trailblazing figure in uh in in the film industry and, like, in the art form as a whole. Um,
1: But, you know, it's, it's so weird. It's so, it's so weird. Um,
0: There isn't much for a plot other than this guy has a kid. The kid is not a kid. He's, like, an alien. And he dies <laughs> and then henry oh. Henry gets beheaded and then turns into an
1: eraser, an eraser head.
2: I can't believe you did it this early. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god i it's it's a very um disturbing film uh, actually i don't know actually yeah, yes there. there are disturbing images there's disturbing images most certainly yeah. um oh my god i don't even know where to begin with this There, it's it's so oh. it's so short but like it's such a wild ride yeah um i mean yeah you can uh tell us a who's yeah. in the film and the characters and then I'll, I'll go. We'll, I mean, if you have anything about the history of production, um uh, yeah. if not, I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, uh, but yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Um, limited cast, um, very, very limited cast, very small, not many characters and nobody's really named outside of Henry, the lead. Um, you have them named by their location or their occupation, as opposed to, um, anything else so you have one of the extras featured is the man in the planet a very like disease-ridden what i tend to view as a futuristic version of the um the child of henry um played by jack fiske who actually wasn't much of an actor but instead did a ton of production design Um, both for Twin Peaks, for David Lynch films like Mulholland uh, Mulholland Drive, and also uh, production designed for several Paul Thomas Anderson films uh, in the early 2000s, including There Will Be Blood, which we're going to talk about here in about... Is that next week? Yeah, it's next week. Um, Yes, let's go. I'm so excited for that. And he also did uh, production design for The Master as well. The other, um, PTA. I mean, you had the lady in the radiator. You have beautiful girl across the hall. Um, then, uh, Henry's ex-girlfriend and her parents. Uh, Mary X, Mr. X, and Mrs. X. That is how they're credited. That is who they are. That is all
1: that we get. Um,
2: There's not a ton of, I think, super notable uh, parts other than the fact that a lot of these actors have collaborated with uh, Lynch in future works. Um, Some have played small roles in Twin Peaks and other films. Um, Most notably, of course, the lead, Henry Spencer, or played by Jack Nance. Jack Nance appeared in several other Lynch projects like Dune, Blue Velvet... Most notably, uh, besides Eraserhead, was in Twin Peaks as Pete Martel, He's got that kind of face that's like so kind of innocent, especially in this film. Like his the way his eyebrows and his eyes are structured makes him look like he's a child constantly confused by what's going on around him, and it, I think like it plays a lot of like naivety with him. In this film like it's it's one of those things where you just get that like intangible quality it's like it's not it's not even like an acting thing it's just like a literal facial structure thing but he's got that little that little tid that little tidbit that's like that's really cool and so mm-hmm. they've i I, I mean I, I I just think that's a that's a cool thing that I, I picked up on just how he how he looks honestly it's just he looks that way
3: <laughs>
2: but <laughs> um production was funded mostly through donations yeah. from cast members and and crew members uh notably oh uh, gosh who was married to sissy Spacek? that was um that jack fisk yes jack fisk yeah She and he would donate money to keep the production running and keep the, uh, uh, I guess, the lights on or the set open. They filmed in, like, a a stable that Lynch had apparently stayed in and slept in. Um, They bounced around. It, It took them a year to design the sound for this movie because they didn't have a soundproof studio. And so it was all, it would have been filled with background noise and filled with extra stuff, which is an especially, especially um, impressive considering the inter- intricacy of the background noise and how prevalent that like constant hum, uh, that constant whirring and, and, and buzzing and trilling is, is in the background of the film.
0: Yeah, because sound it, plays a pivotal role in the uh, atmosphere of this film. Yeah, and, uh, I'll get into that, but like with the the pre production, because this Eraserhead initially was supposed to be a twenty minute short film, and <laughs> oh, God. David David ran into the script. He well, I I was watching um a portion of the there's like an eighty minute uh, documentary film of of um Lynch talking about the production of of Eraserhead it's on the criterion channel it's like a, it's a, it's an extra and um he he couldn't for the life of him remember writing the script <laughs> like he genuinely couldn't remember any anything with regards of writing the script the only thing he remembered was how it like this script kind of evolved from being a 20 minute film to then a 42 minute film to then the 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 final uh version, which is an hour and thirty minutes um but it, he was at the time before filming this, he was working on a different script um who it was given by one of his like mentor um at the a f i the American Film Institute and the the film that he was originally working on um which never ended up being made um oh man what was it <sighs> hold on hold on i'm going to find it i'm going to find it i trust you give me give me one sec i'm going to find it
2: i believe in you
0: it was um
1: Bru, Garden back, Garden back, um,
0: and it was a disaster, and so that was kind of scrapped. And his his uh his mentor was the dean of the AFI. His name was Frank Daniel, and Frank kind of thought Lynch was the um most talented student at uh, the institute. At the time, this was in like the late 60s, early 70s, so he kind of gave Lynch um, carte blanche with uh, projects. And so Eraserhead was kind of Lynch's baby in a way. Uh, But it was given to him by Fisk. Or not Fisk, Frank. Um, Daniel, yeah. We developed it into the film that we now have. Um, But yeah, I mean in terms of the production itself, it took many many years for it to even be finished. And the ca- the crew was very very small. Uh, and the cast was very very small and I've, and you already mentioned like it was basically funded by donations. Um was about it? So they were just kind of hoping um, that that the film could be finished. And um there was When it was released, he tried to get it to Cannes. He tried to get it to Cannes Film Festival, Um, and I guess they didn't accept his. um, What would you call it? His um, style. I don't know. Oh, the film itself. Like they, I guess they didn't. They They didn't allow it. it, But anyway, but anyways, the the film was a flop in the box office Ooh. however it it was it gained notoriety through this circuit called the underground um what was it the underground the film archive the no it was like it was like a thing i was reading i was reading about it it gained prominence through the underground um midnight movie the midnight movie okay the midnight movie is a is a term that was brought into into the spotlight during the 50s where well at midnight tv channels would air films on the more artsy side the more obscure side of things like more avant-garde films and this is where, um, quite a couple of of um, classic works, like uh, like American classic works, were um, kind of um, launched, was was in this circuit, and obviously Eraserhead was one of those films, and that kind of um. Allowed a lot of filmmakers to see uh, Lynch's work, and Stanley Kubrick uh, says that Eraserhead is one of his favorite films of all time. Like, as uh, as if he he considers it to be one of the best films he's ever seen in his life. Um,
2: well, but yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about growth with Lynch, I mean going from crowdfunding within his cast and crew to create this film to bouncing around barns and rustic like locations where you could you're scrounging from the bottom basically you're not on a sound stage you're on your own you're in the countryside and to go from that to 3 years later his next directorial project the Elephant Man, nominated for Best Picture, Best Director at the Academy Awards, um, Screenplay, I believe it was adapted, but nominated for Screenplay as well. That's his very next work. He didn't do a short film in the middle, he didn't, you know, work on something else in the middle, didn't make something for television in the middle. Goes straight from a Eraserhead to Academy Award nominee.
0: Um, yeah, it's insane.
2: Three years. That's all it took. Three years. Yeah. I mean, noted he, he had Anthony Hopkins in the film <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, to start. John Hurt, John Gielgud. um Bigger name actors, but also, you know, you don't just overnight
1: in your very next project hit it big.
0: <laughs> um. To clarify, so the Midnight movie was a phenomenon in the late 60s and 70s. And some of the most... You know, well, a film that we actually talked about uh, last week, Night of the Living Dead, was popularized by the the Midnight um, movie movement. As well as um, El Topo, which is Alejandro Jodorowsky's very... very Polarizing film, um, John Waters' *Pink Flamingos*, mm-hmm. the Rocky Horror Picture Show,
2: yeah,
0: and, um, a film called *The Harder They Come*, a Jamaican crime film. But yeah, *Night of the Living Dead* is obviously like um, very influential. We talked about that, but yeah, and uh, Lynch, Lynch would. Throughout his career, would utilize a lot of the same people that he worked with on Eraserhead and later projects in his career, and he kind of does that. He that's kind of a thing that he he does with a lot of the people uh, that he worked with in like the '90s and the 2000s. He just kind of kept working with them. Yeah. Um. And to add on to the. To the Kubrick quote, he he met he met Lynch on the set of The Elephant Man and told him that Eraserhead was his favorite film, and it uh, was an influence for him on The Shining.
3: Ooh.
1: So
0: that's that's pretty that's pretty uh pretty big. That's um, huge. And Eraserhead is also credited with influencing the eighty nine Japanese. Uh, body horror film Tetsuo the Iron Man. Have you heard of that film, Max? No. No, I
2: just yeah. I I'm, I'm loathing. I didn't look at what genre this was before I started watching. I was just like, oh, it's a racerhead. It's David Lynch. It'll be weird. and It'll be cool. Nope, body horror. <clears throat> Sorry, what I meant was.
1: <clears throat>
0: <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Um, and Darren Aronofsky's ninety 98- eight. Debut Pie, which I want to see. That I don't know about Tetsu the Iron Man though, because that one that one's actually a very influential body horror film. Yeah, um no, I'm not. <laughs> and I guess one of the I'm um, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna say it. it's disgusting.
2: <laughs> Thank God, you're sparing me, not the listeners. Um, you're sparing me.
0: Thank you. Yeah, but uh, but um, but man, the the effects in this film are crazy. They're, They're good. really good. They're really, really good. Absolutely. Um, for like the seventies, like I'm kind of mind blown. You know, with no how, budget, how too. they pulled some of this stuff off, like considering the shoestring budget they were kind of on. Like I don't know how the heck they did some of these things, like with the with the baby alien thing. All right. The um,
2: <laughs> the blood, the oozing chicken. The um yeah. the facial yeah, makeup, the chicken, yeah, chicken was weird. Yeah, the um the facial makeup, the... the transforming of the puddle into a or like the bed into a puddle. Yeah, what? Was, I mean, there are a lot of shots in here that are really impressive.
0: Oh yeah, how they
2: how they pulled that off? Yeah, yeah. But uh,
0: and you mentioned you mentioned something about the floor or yeah. like the walls being uh
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. what you say identical as, or similar I I I think identical as Henry's going home in the opening sequence um he's he's going home with his groceries he it, uh, there's a shot of him going through the lobby of his apartment building and in the lobby before he goes in the elevator the floor is this black and white I mean the film's in black and white But it's this black and white zigzag pattern across the floor. And it's only like 10 minutes into the movie.
1: But it is the
2: exact same pattern as in the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks for, you know, 13 years later. You would use that, it's that same pattern of floor, which I was like... I, I saw that immediately and I was like, "Oh god, this is going to be another one of those supernatural things, isn't it?"
3: <laughs>
2: I got I got a little I got a little concerned cuz I watched Twin Peaks during COVID. I was like I was on the couch in the dark watching Twin Peaks being serenaded by the lovely Battle of Menti score and then getting the pants scared off of me by some of this weird stuff going on. <laughs> So, I was I wasn't I wasn't a happy camper today. I was not a happy camper. <laughs> I was just yeah. happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Um. Oh my god! And like, I know this is overused, but liminal—it's like liminal, liminal vibe to the film. It, I think, creepy. It's weird. I, I mean. Like I don't know where they shot this. Um, I made a joke about they shot in Detroit, but they obviously didn't.
1: California.
2: <laughs> locations were owned by AFI. Um
0: It
1: looks so
2: dilapidated.
0: Owned. The place
1: yeah. looks
2: so dilapidated.
0: Like the ex, the exterior shots. Yeah. Like I mean, when Henry's like when Henry's walking around like the the city or whatever and it's just like very brutalist yeah. architecture very drab and like it reminded me of i don't know if you've ever seen you like footage of like these giant steel mill plants in china no no there's like a youtube video of uh well there's a documentary i want to watch called the uh, well, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation, but it's a Tai Zoo or something like that. West of the tracks, it's by a Chinese documentarian, Wang Wang Bing, I think, something like that. I don't know. Excuse my my Mandarin. I don't even know it, and my pronunciation—it's very bad. But um, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of these like of footage I've seen—these giant like steel mills. That are so gargantuan in size, but it's such a like isolating and very um intimidating uh v- feeling that you get just looking at these uh these structures. And that's kind of how I felt watching um the the kind of like city I guess of him walking around. Um. If there's 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 something very off, and uh, Lynch was Lynch did a fantastic job of um, kind of capturing that feeling with the sound and with the visuals.
2: Absolutely.
1: So now I have a question for you. What do you think it
3: means?
0: Because I have an idea. Oh, I' this yeah. this is the funny part. This is where it gets funny what what are interpretations of the film oh yeah oh man i i i I think I know what it means. Well, at least I have my idea of what I think it means.
2: Should we say it at the same time on the count of three?
0: Yes
1: uh, one word ready yeah, one, two.
2: Three humanity. I think fatherhood. (laughs) I I like I like the different I like the different words. I think this is actually the first film where I've ever actually considered using the phrase, Oh the humanity. It sparks a little bit of joy in me to use that phrase.
0: I don't know. I don't you gotta explain that to me.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I did go through and I read a bunch of other interpretations. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I, I, I've I, seen a a lot of, you know, talking about what, what each figure maybe represents or how that ties back. But my thought, and I think kind of what what seals it for me are the shots in which they kind of replace Henry's head with the head of the child. The alien, the worm, the baby thing. Because we clearly see, I mean, we clearly see that the man and the planet uh, is, I mean, at least... To me, this is clear, that the man on the planet is an adult version of that child. And that the man on the planet is this this version of the alien, that ha- or the child, that has grown up and matured and is operating within something. I mean, he's operating within the planet. He's controlling the functions. He's pulling his levers and he's working on his gears. And making everything kind of tick, and I think the key to the film is that, that Henry dies at the end, and as as Henry dies and you know goes to heaven, um, somehow I guess uh, the um, <laughs> the planet that the man on the planet is inside of is disintegrating and blowing up. And he starts to vanish as well, which means that they're tied together some way, spiritually or, you know, physically, but they're tied into each other. And the idea of it being the child, not maybe being a child, but the own, like the twisted evil parts of ourselves that are within each of us, we can see it. We can clearly see that this part is the bad part of somebody else. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't 100% buy the fact that that's Henry's kid. Uh Uh-huh. I don't 100% buy that. And so, he's able to see that this is the, maybe, I mean, it it clearly came from, from Mary,
1: but the, uh, he's able to
2: see that negative piece within her. But, with that shot in the um the within the radiator within that stage scene when after his head falls off and he the child's face becomes the the top half of his body there's that i think there's that little switch where the representation is the child is the flaws in each human is the flaws that we all have the ugly part of us the infected part of us the worst part of us Ooh. that could possibly be demonstrated and Henry decides I will be noble and I can kill the worst part of Mary and end that and 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 get rid of it and we'll be done but oh. that's still bringing out the worst part in himself as well
3: uh-huh.
2: That's sort of where I was going with that. And I feel like that's
0: really good. I like that interpretation. I feel like
2: it's a little hippy dippy and um you know uh, like I feel like I feel like that like saying it's humanity is like low hanging fruit. But also I feel like there there's enough evidence to point me in that direction to say that, you know I mean, especially since he looks at it it looks clean and then he looks at it once Mary leaves. And it's got the sores, and it's got the parasites and the moles, and mm-hmm. clearly, I, I like it's it's infected and getting worse. And I, yeah. that's sort of where I live on that. Like, I really, I thought it was very cool, especially how you can like using Lynch symbolism, you can kind of tie in and say, okay, why is this here? Why are we representing this? I mean, how the whole song in heaven, I think, is to establish the fact that when we see the white at the end, we know that Henry's in heaven, or at oh. least
0: dead. It's, wow, interesting. That's really good. I, I never, cause I this is my second time seeing it, mm. and I in the times I never even thought of looking at the film in that way. Um, so that's pretty enlightening. I, that's really good. I like that. Um, Yay.
3: Um,
0: yeah, mine's mine is sort of similar, but not really. It's more,
1: I guess, cynical?
0: I get a more cynical interpretation of the film, um, where I think Lynch is using Henry... Henry and his experience kind of as a, a conduit of his feelings I guess or his fears of, of certain Henry. experiences and I think that main experience being being a parent or a father in this instance um and the <laughs> the the things that occur to the kid baby thing whatever is clearly, like... Well, I mean, first off, the fact that the baby is some, like, disfigured, alien-looking like thing that's super, like, just non-human as possible. And it's so disgusting to look at. It's revolting. And it's just, like... There's nothing good about it. It just leeches onto life it's desperate for attention it's desperate for all these things which a baby is obviously you you know a baby needs to be like a human baby needs to be taken care of in order to live you know it can't take care of itself obviously we all know this um and I think he sees he sees babies as sort of like in this kind of capacity maybe and he's just like I mean, he has kids himself. Um, I don't know if he had kids already at this point of his life when he the film was made, or if he hasn't already. I know he was married to his first wife at the time. I don't know if he had any kids yet, but regardless, um, I see, I see the the alien baby thing, and it getting sick and it being, um, super annoying. Like, to the point where mary she can't even stand hearing the thing cry during the night, so she literally tells it, yells at it to shut up, and then leaves and never comes back again.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and Henry is just like, well, okay, I guess now i got I got no choice, I gotta take care of it now. Um, and he tries his best, despite his uh his best efforts. I mean he has an affair with the woman across the hall um and that's when we see that shot of like them in this black hole in the middle of their bed or of, yep. uh, the bed um and like the the presence, the presence of that thing being there doesn't allow the freedom and liberty that Henry kind of wants. And it's
1: just like a very restrictive thing. um.
0: And he's very, you know, we see a moment when that lady is with another man Henry is extremely jealous. He like gets like sad and angry. Um, and then he takes that anger out on the on the baby when he attempts to like kill it, I guess. Um tends to kill I don't know. I think he kills I mean he kills I, it. Yeah. Yeah, he kills it. Um, <laughs> like, metaphorically speaking, I don't know i I just see it, and I'm thinking I'm like, maybe David really doesn't like kids that much. I think he didn't want kids. I don't know did- that's how I see the film that's what that's what I come out of it.
2: ooh, like a reflection okay. of his his own life,
0: perhaps,
2: maybe. He did have one kid, up to this point, born in uh, I want to say sixty eight is what oh, I read. Okay.
0: So he did have a kid. Okay. Yes. Kid.
1: Um. But I, I do remember the only like bit of
0: um the only the only bit of information that Lynch has given to the public. With his own uh, meaning for the film. He says it's it's like my Philadelphia story. Uh, referring to the film The Philadelphia Story. Uh, I haven't seen that film. So I don't know what he's referring to specifically. Um, he was born in Montana. So I don't think it has anything to do with like his experience growing up in Philadelphia. Because I don't think he was raised in Philly, he was born in Montana, I believe, raised there as well. Uh correct me if I'm wrong there.
1: I mean I'm I'm looking for
2: the Philadelphia story here. The only thing that I I mean, I'll be honest. I, ooh, I really don't know if that, that if I have the right one because this is a uh it looks like a comedy Starring Cary Grant, Katherine Hepburn, and Jimmy Stewart, um, based on a play uh, about a socialite whose wedding plans are complicated by the simultaneous arrival of her ex-husband and a tabloid magazine journalist.
0: Wait, wait, wait! wait. I actually i found an art, I found an article about this. Oh, good. Um, he was in Philly. He was in Philly at some point in his life before the okay. making of this film and i th- and i think uh cuz he grew up in montana so very rural and suburban place in america and i think his experiences in philly was a stark and jarring uh thing that he experienced i think he's um probably uh Expressing those experiences and those feelings onto this film with the very industrial and dark and gray, drab, cynical, terrifying, disturbing, like imagery and sounds that we see in the film. Uh, So that's probably where that comes from. I think that's okay. I think that that makes more sense.
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a really, I mean, and I think the uh, other bit that I think can help your thought about fatherhood and and this being a reflection on, on that is everything that looks like a worm is kind i mean kind of looks a little bit like a sperm just a yeah. little bit
0: yeah just a
2: little bit. bit yeah so like you've got that idea of it's you know offspring it's breeding it's father and son and not really man and creature
0: Right, right. Yeah. And also, too, like, you know, I want, like, what is the, with the deal with the lady in the radiator? You know, like, is that his imagination? Like, is... Because the way I see that is I see that as him... That's his, like, form of escape from everything in his life. Um, yeah. Where he kind of has... That's like the only place of peace that he has. And it mm-hmm. doesn't even exist. It's just all in his mind. Yeah. Um And I think that makes this film so much more depressing than it is. <laughs> <I> <laughs> mean- like, this poor guy, well, he he clearly doesn't love he he's not he's not having the best time. He doesn't like his life um and he has a kid that he doesn't like he doesn't really want his love life is a disaster he's lonely he's on vacation um that's like i guess the only positive <laughs> um geez. and yeah he's just a very he has just this face. He has this constant face of like utter sadness throughout the entire film. Yeah. Nothing. We never see him crack a smile. No one no one cracks a smile at all in the entire film.
2: It's kind of hard to. You got an alien child. Yeah. Up here. my god. Yeah. <laughs> but I did read um an interpretation of that The Lady in the Radiator as it's it being a subconscious thing of Henry's character oh. and the fact that she's stamping on the worms killing them is the message you know he he kind of deep down wants to kill his child which yeah. i mean and the the hug at the end could then be the rationalization of it and saying his, his mind telling him that he did the right thing by killing the child oh. and i i i still think that That's that could weird. tie in with me in saying like that that could be the worst part in him and that he's getting it validated because the subconscious is by all accounts ugly got massive um prosthetic uh basically jowls uh Massive lumps on both side, uh, both both cheeks, um, yeah. and and it it's not a pretty subconscious. It's not a clean, lovely person like like Mary or somebody across the hall.
1: It's um ugly,
2: and it's not uh not the best. And so yeah, it, it's maybe more of the fact that this is living inside of him and it's the worst part of him that he can't see right. or at least attempts to, uh, appease.
0: Right. And that, that, that interpretation makes sense because in, in his like some of his other works that I've seen, um, like Maholland drive being the prime example where the subconscious is like a It's like um, a a device and a motif that Lynch uses and utilizes in that film very effectively. Um, And obviously a lot of his films kind of deal with the subconscious and dream, dreaming. And and like the state of being and reality and mixing all those things together. Um, So I think, yeah, I think that that interpretation of the radiator being his subconscious makes the most sense.
2: I mean, before they showed the woman in the radiator, I wondered why they kept showing the radiator. Like I almost thought he was afraid of it, which I mean would also make sense with any of these interpretations of being afraid of the worst parts of yourself, being afraid of what you could do or, you know, But, like, there's so much, like, fear and mystery. Like, I I think I need to clean my screen because I kept seeing faces and things popping out of the dark, and I did not appreciate that, especially after the experience with Hereditary. Did not (laughs) care for it. For God's sakes, there's a jump scare in here that's not a jump scare, and it's just somebody walking through the dark... But it's scary as hell and I jumped. Also, by the way, uh I need you to be honest with me right now. Does There Will Be Blood have any decapitation? Because no. we've right now had two films in a row no, where no, somebody's no. head. It doesn't, has just it, doesn't, it doesn't, it
0: doesn't. Thank God. There's not much violence in it. There's 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 some like there's deaths, but they're not like it's not a horror film, don't worry. It's not horror at all. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. It's not a horror film.
2: I I just I just want to cover my bases, because the title is There Will Be Blood.
0: I I know. I know. I'm just it's I, that, purely I, that, metaphorical.
2: Okay. Symbolic. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Word. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, his head fell off.
1: And got turned into eraser shavings.
2: I mean, yeah, man. hey, it's
0: so absurd. And also, yeah. too, the the dinner, the dinner scene. Oh, oh my god, so awkward and so like, oh man, oh man. It's it certainly you could tell Lynch. I I think Lynch is just like. Purely just using Henry as a conduit to represent himself, I think
1: I,
2: I mean, don't
0: know. maybe I'm wrong.
2: I mean, Henry doesn't really do anything. He doesn't fight back, he doesn't say no, he doesn't make a decision until he kills the child. He just lets life happen to him. He's like, they're like, Mary, Mary, and uh. Raise the kid. And he's like, well, I, I, guess I, I guess I should. You know, she asked me over to her parents' house for dinner, so I guess I gotta go. Um, Oh, she, le- she left. I guess I gotta take care of the kid. Oh, kid's crying. Guess I can't leave. I'll stay here and watch the kid. Oh, neighbor's here. Guess I'll make out with her. I mean, I didn't really. She came on to me. I'm not really... Flirting in this in this manner, <laughs> then he kills his child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> kills his child. Okay, maybe maybe I'm going too far in saying it. it it's a conduit for Lynch. I mean,
1: I mean maybe. But maybe I, not. I do think
0: I do think um, the character though has some fears that maybe Lynch did. Definitely, at the time. Oh yeah. Cause I mean he he literally said it's like my story.
1: So you know Wow. But um but yeah, the dinner scene, the chickens. But... Oh my lord. No How the heck know. did they pull that off?
0: And like mini miniature chickens? <laughs> Dude, what? Oh god. I just I don't know. I don't know, man. It's insane.
1: I love it. I mean, it's so weird.
2: And it it oozes way too much for a little tiny chicken.
0: Yeah, it oozes what? Blood?
2: Mm. Whatever it something was. like that.
0: Oh, it's disgusting. Absolutely that's disgusting. That's yeah. But it's not even the grossest thing in
1: the film.
3: True. I mean
2: I mean God we can we could talk about like the massive heckin uh, child head like just the head that's bouncing from location to location that's terrifying that is nightmare inducing that is <laughs> that is horrifying N- never Wait, when
0: did that when did that come? Towards the end of the film, right?
2: Very end. It's like the last three minutes or something. And it's just Flash, 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 and it's the big head of the child. Like, it it almost looks like a Beetlejuice sandworm. And it's just appearing, and then it looks right at you, and then it's going, and it's tilted, and it's tilted, and then it's staring right at you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Now
0: I know what you're (laughs) talking about. No. After After he stabs it, and then all that stuff comes out.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. No, I'm going to leave the lights on when I sleep. Oh, my gosh.
0: Watch. I'm watching it back right now. I mean, yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The God. The other thing, like, do, do you want a real? Do you want a real stretch? I can, I can stretch real good right now. All right, go, go. You want? You want to know why they turn Henry's head into erasers?
1: Oh, bro! Good. In his, in his
2: subconscious, within his dream, within a dream.
1: Why well, they, they? They do it.
2: Because that's that's what that his subconscious is telling him to do. That's what he wants to do. That's what his uh. That's what his worst part is, and so they turn his head into erasers so he can just you know erase his child from existence. Oh, and it's all in his head. Wait, oh. eraser head, eraser head. <laughs> nah, dude, no way. Is that a little bit of a stretch? Are you onto
0: something? I think you're onto something.
2: <laughs> I think I'm just. I think I'm just tired.
0: <laughs> no, I think you're onto something. Perhaps.
2: <laughs> Wait, when does that sequence even start? Oh, it's gotta be like there's. I think there's like 20 minutes left in the film. I mean, it's. I mean, it obviously starts with the the head drop, which again provoked a very visceral reaction from me including one in which my hands leaped to karate chop position in front of me despite the fact that i don't know karate
0: wait but the but the um the eraser sequence happens before he kills the child
2: yeah exactly but so does the song in heaven it's the It's the trip inside of his head, and he's like, "Yep, that's what I. That's what I would do. That's what I can do. That's what I should do. Maybe it's foreshadowing.
0: Oh, 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 oh. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. (sighs) Yeah, it's it's too advanced for me. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't make that connection.
2: I love some good sur- surrealism. This is my... This is where I live. This is where I live and die. <laughs> Brecht. Um, uh, waiting for Godot. Uh, Beckett. Um, the Absurd. Theater of the Absurd. UNESCO. Um, all that stuff. Oh, I. this is where I live and die. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean... I'm having such a good time watching Company right now, uh-huh. which is a Sondheim musical, a um, book by George Firth. It's just, uh, it's again, it's like the first major concept musical because it's just, it's centered around a theme. It's centered around marriage and love and whether or not you sh- one should be married or if, you know, it's just the company that matters. Ah, see what I did there. Um, but like, each of the uh, each of the songs don't really connect and expand the character, it expands the theme. The scenes are just shots of life in that moment. It's not meant for, you know, relatability, it's not, I mean, it's funny as hell. But like, you've got that same kind of not really absurdist, but practical, I guess, strange, in which it's not really meant you're not watching the growth of a character, you're not watching the evolution of of one character from another, you're watching a philosophy be played out in front of you on stage, about whether it is better to be married or not, about whether it is better to have someone in your life or not, and, yeah. uh, I think, and I think that show does
1: say that. But, like, mm-hmm. this absurd, this surrealism, love that. Love this stuff.
0: You love it, though. Uh, it's terrifying. Oh, it's,
2: yep. Yeah, it's terrifying. Shall we? Can I make a hot take? Can I make my hot take for the episode right now? Yeah, go ahead. Eraserhead was scarier to me than Hereditary. That yeah, was my so hot I take.
1: don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that.
0: I don't Fair. think it's scary. Scarier, I should say. Yeah, it's. I think it's more. It's disgusting. It's more disgusting. Yeah. Revolting. I'd say that.
2: I still think that that this is going to leave a bigger impact. It's gonna. It's gonna sit with me a little bit more. I think. Oh, like,
0: certainly. 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 But
2: I, and that's sort of where I go because with hereditary you've got an idea of what normalcy looks like. It's people being people in a normal people world. Oh, and there's demons. So you've like this, You you've got you know, yeah. There's blood. Yeah. There's beheadings. Yeah. There's um, mom crawling up the walls like a spider, <laughs> which obviously is terrifying and it's creepy and it's not normal. But then you go to a racer head where all bets are off, everything is weird, you've no idea what's about to happen next, and there is no expectation of normalcy. Anything that would be considered normal is abnormal in this universe, in this world. And so you've got you have to accept the fact that the chicken is bleeding. You have to accept the chat the fact that uh, this child is Wrapped in swaddling clothes, yet looks like an alien. Uh, you have to accept. <laughs> you have to accept the fact that his head has fallen off. You have to accept accept the worms being pulled from Mary and out of the bed and falling and yeah, squishing. Like and you have to gross. accept all of this as completely normal and part of the story. And you have no idea what's about to come next because nothing is normal. And I I feel like there was that sense of dread in the last 30 minutes where I had no idea what was about to happen. Which made anything remotely scary or disgusting just, I think, live in me a little bit more.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, man, this film... It's a trip. It's a trip. It's... It's probably his weirdest work.
0: I haven't, because I've seen a large majority of his work. I've seen you know Twin Peaks, The Return, and Twin Peaks, um, Fire Walk with Me. And I've seen Mulholland Drive, uh, Lost Highway, Inland Empire. That one, that film is terror. That film is more. I would say scarier than this. That's like like that. That Inland Empire is like a horror film through and through, I think. But it's so incoherent. It's like it's 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 so hard to follow that film. And and then what else have I seen?
2: Mulholland Drive.
0: Yeah, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that. Okay. Um, but I know I haven't seen Blue Velvet and. The Elephant Man and the Straight Story and um uh the one with Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. What's that? It won it won Palm Dior, actually. Did it really?
1: Yeah. um oh,
0: Dune. I haven't seen Dune either. Wild at Heart. Well there are, yeah. But of the ones that I have seen, this is easily the weirdest. Easily. Well, Easily the weirdest. Um, and it set it set the tone perfectly for the rest of his career, I would say. I mean, he never really strayed far away again from what I've seen. I know Elephant Man is more of his like more and the straight story are like very conventional films, I think. They're not like super absurd from what I've heard and read. I mean, the straight story is literally about a farmer trying to find his brother. Um it's like autobiographical sort of like a documentary that um that's probably his most normal film <laughs> and then the elephant man but like every everything else aside from those two films are pretty weird and very lynchian and you know it's it's very much okay this is a david lynch film and there's no other way to look at it uh, other than it being a, a lynch work, and you have to treat it as such. Um. But man, he he's done so much for for the for the um for the art for the art form and his contributions to it.
3: Um.
1: Because yeah, this eraser
0: head is crazy. Uh, I read a I read a Letterboxd review. Um, it was like a joke review, but someone said, I showed this to all my friends, and now they don't want to talk to me ever again. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, this is a film that you don't show your friends unless they like David Lynch. Although chances are, if they like David Lynch, they probably have seen this already.
2: Yeah, valid.
1: Yeah, I'm a David Lynch baby.
2: <laughs> David Lynch. Oh, I gotta get, I gotta get, I gotta get more of his stuff down. I know, I gotta, man. I gotta get around. Cause
0: f- for his films, you've only seen this, and then what else? Is that it? Twin
2: Peaks seasons one and two. Dang, yeah, bro. Yeah,
0: you got, you got, you got stuff to watch. You're darn right, I do. Yeah.
1: Too busy walking in heels.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's my life right now.
2: <laughs> quick, quick glimpse past the cinematic odyssey persona. This is that's what I'm doing with my life right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh um... boy.
1: I don't know, I don't really have anything else to add other than Watch this when you're sober. Or
2: not. I mean, or not. Watch this when you're hungry.:
0: <laughs> No, not after you've eaten. No, because then you're going to lose your appetite. Good. <laughs> and you won't throw like- up.
2: Problem solved. I should note that I did eat this while, I did watch this while eating dinner, so. <laughs> did you at least finish it before the child appeared? No, the child was there, but I did finish dinner before the trip into the subconscious and the affair, so uh, I would consider that a win. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, at least you ate it before he kills the thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I wasn't eating when the
1: chicken was bleeding, so that was good. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, but don't eat while you watch this movie. No, you don't (laughs) want to do that. Because I was getting queasy. I was getting pretty queasy watching this. It's a very disgusting film, that's for sure. Um... But don't fret, don't fret. If 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 this is your first lunch film that you're watching, trust me, don't get scared. It gets better. It gets better. It is, it gets better. In fact, I would suggest watching um Mahalan Drive after this one. Um, actually, no, no, no. Probably watch Straight Story if you want a palate cleanser. And then watch Mulholland Drive. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: yeah. This is, yeah, this was such a... But I can see, yeah, there's lots of, like, visual things, like, that he reuses in later works. Like, especially in Twin Peaks. You can definitely see that. Like, outside of, like, the, the walls of the apartment complex. Just, like, the carpets like the aesthetic like the
1: furniture that he uses and stuff and the checkerboards and and all that uh, yeah it's very uh yeah. very
0: very um something that he reuses it's a motif visual motif that he uses over and over again but yeah his patterns it's yeah, beautiful i don't
2: know Yeah, that's all I got to say. I respect it. I mean, that's kind of what we have. I mean, did you have a hot take about this or no? I mean, you Um, don't have to have one, but...
3: I don't...
1: I don't really have one, no. I don't really have one. I mean, it's...
0: I don't know if I can even have a hot take for David Lynch because he's his his home filmography is just so like it's such he it's so separated from everything else that one can watch because yeah. he's just so out there and so wild and creative and absurd and surreal with his with his works like he, no one you can't compare him to anyone. He's yep. incomparable, I think.
1: That's fair. Um, but yeah, valid. But next week, thank
2: you for the double week and listening. But next yeah. week, Paul, my third Paul Thomas Anderson. There will be Hopefully blood. This
0: one you like? Yeah, exactly. Well, you like Magnolia,
2: right?
3: I mean, eh,
0: it was okay. Oh, I think, I think I was mid on Magnolia, okay, well, think- okay all right, so I'm praying that you like this one because you already know. know the reputation this film holds, I presume i you would hope I mean, no, do you know the reputation that this film has? I know it's a very
2: high reputation, though, to oh, yeah, be fair. A- you have talked about it in the same breath as the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I loathed. So we're not starting out on the right foot okay, here
0: okay, okay. all right let me let me let me make a reset. Okay, let me make a reset. <laughs> assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is a great film. I genuinely love it. I think it's amazing. I think my five out of five rating is valid. However, there will be blood is on a whole nother level of of greatness you know if if you want to look at it this way, Jesse James
1: is triple a
0: there will be blood world series level m l b play that's what I'm talking. That's the All difference. Right. Okay, okay. Um okay, maybe not triple A for Jesse like regular season, like a like a good team. But they get stomped out in the playoffs first round. I it know sounds, this 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 analogy sounds, is horrible, but it sounds hopefully it sounds, It's making sounds somewhat like the Dodgers.
2: sense. <laughs> it's making some sense. <laughs> sounds like the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers versus the Phillies.
0: <laughs> um anyways, yes, there will be blood. I think, I mean, i you've already heard me say it. People on the podcast have heard me say it. But I'm going to say it again. I think it's one of the... I think it's the best film of the 21st century. That's and my hot take. That's my hot take for today. And, and, they, and next week.
2: Dang.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean... I, I, I'm i not going to respond because I haven't seen it yet, but my, my, only, the only thing I've got for right now is, uh, could we say that Henry has abandoned his child? He's abandoned his boy.
0: <laughs> he did more than that. He straight up murked his, murked his child. Right? <laughs> dude, skill issue. Skill issue, dude. Like, he couldn't. He didn't have any defense mechanism. Bro couldn't move. Dog couldn't move.
3: He didn't have skill.
0: Oh. Skill issue. I mean, come on. Oh, I
2: love that. <laughs> oh, I hope somebody dies in every movie you watch. Oh, <laughs> well, someone dies
0: in the. There will be blood. Someone dies. This is
2: a recurring bit.
0: Actually, multiple people die in this film.
2: Oh, God
0: three to be exact
2: end it before I crack up <laughs> I'm so ex- this is my favorite recurring bit I love it so much skill issue <laughs> we're talking Dude, about got... MLK and JFK and Charlie the daughter just ugh Getting
0: absolutely mollywob, dog. I mean, it's absolute skill. I don't know what to say. It's a skill issue. I mean, why are you sticking? Why are you sticking
1: your head out the window? You don't need to do that. You don't need to.
3: You don't put me in tears.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Ooh. Anyways,
0: anyways, there will be blood next week. Oh my god, I cannot wait for that. That's gonna be so. Fun. I'm gonna. Oh man. Oh man, I can't freaking wait. I can't wait. That's gonna be, man. I, dude, I hope you like the film. <laughs> I kind Although of- if you don't, if you don't like the film, it'll make it
2: such a compelling episode. <laughs> I know. I kinda wanna hate it right now. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just just for the bit.
0: Oh my gosh. We're turning in the first take with Stephen A. Smith and um
2: Max Killerman.
0: (laughs) Oh my lord.
2: Death being pointed at Earth. I give him one film to guess uh to represent all of humanity, the best film to represent all of humanity. I'm giving them fateful findings from Neil
1: Breen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aliens watching Neil Breen. Oh my god. They're like, what? I don't know, why are they so uh, stale?
1: They're so robotic. Anyways, well.
0: This has been the Cinematic Odyssey. You're on U92. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, next week, as we mentioned, there will be Blood, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, 2007 film um, with Daniel Day-Lewis. And yes, please watch that if you haven't seen it before the episode goes live next week. Because... As I've already said my my thoughts on it my my general basic thoughts on it uh just just watch it, please watch it, and watch Eraserhead if you haven't seen it either. but uh, we'll catch you guys next week. um have a great rest of your day night, weekend, week, whenever you're watching this, listening to it, I mean, and <laughs> this has been Eraserhead forever.